Hello. Hello. How are you? Roseanne. Really? We got to go back there? This is episode number 25. Hello, this is the one and only Alvin Shia. Happy New Year to you all. 2020 is over. We made it. This episode will be dedicated to those who didn't make it past 2020. Many, so many will be missed. Heartbreaking. This is our 17 Minutes Podcast. This one is just for you, so we're glad you're here with us. Now, all you got to do is lay back, kick off your shoes, and enjoy the next 17 minutes with my old friends, LaFool and A. In episode 20, we talked about Roseanne Barr. We talked about octopus. And then we wound up on hollow earth theory. Let's not call it a theory. Let's call it what it is, which is a hypothesis at the very most. I wanted to talk about Roseanne and finish out there. But now you got me want to talk about hollow earth again. And that's how we get down these dark rabbit holes. <laughs> we can go back. What do you want to talk about, Roseanne? I just find her story interesting. Or she was on the Rogan experience. Afterwards... I found a video from 1998 of Roseanne Barr. I used to go to the comedy store. I saw Roseanne at least three, maybe four times at the comedy store, and she killed it. She brought the house down every time she performed. It's interesting because in the 90s, there were very few female comics that were killing it. You know, a lot of guys had this idea back then that female comics weren't funny. You hear guys talking about some female comic come on and they start harassing her or they start heckling her. These were men in the audience? Men in the audience. She brought a lot of respect for female comics. And I think she encouraged a lot of female comics because she showed them that it could be done. She made a lot of asshole, misogynistic jerks eat some humble pie. At the time, she was very significant for the industry. And Joe remembers her from the comedy store. He still supports her. He still has her on. I saw a video back from 1998. She had a talk show. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. On her talk show was two guests, Michael Moore and Donald Trump. Michael Moore and Donald Trump have some pretty good conversation. Even Michael Moore is like, yeah, you should consider running. She asked him to run for president. And I was like, I forgot all about this. Michael Moore says you should consider this. Donald seemed open to I think it would have been a different Donald Trump if he run in 98 or so. I think in the back of her mind somehow, she might even wonder how much role did I have in convincing Donald to run for president? It's no wonder at the end when push came to shove, she supported Donald Trump. Now she's gone a little too far. She definitely has some issues to deal with. She admits that. I think a lot of people fall for that QAnon stuff. It empowers you and you think you have this little secret that no others have. Isn't that what you just said about QAnon? You have a secret that no one else knows about. Can't you apply that to the hollow earth hypothesis? Nope. I'll tell you why. (laughs) You realize that a QAnon person would also respond the exact same way. Nope at all. Let me tell you why. But go ahead. Tell me why. Let's compare the two. QAnon, they'll say, for example, I can prove to you that Michelle Obama is a man. (laughs) Right. And then they show you pictures. Yeah, see the bolts. There's a bolt right there. The hollow earth people, I see them online saying, I can prove to you. Here's the picture from Antarctica of the secret door entrance 
or here's the submarines or the research or the U.S. military, and then they're going to start talking about HARP. And it just all goes from there. I've never once talked about HARP, number one. Number two, a QAnon person walks up to Michelle Obama and is like, hey, how are you doing? Good. Can I check your bolts real quick? Sure. Go and put your hand down there. I think that right then, that would be actually testing the theory. And they're going to find out that they were wrong. What's your point? The chances of that happening are about zero. Okay. You can actually go down to the South Pole. There's plenty of research about it. Maybe there is an interest down there. We suspect that there might be. We definitely know that there's caverns underneath all the ice down there. We just don't know what's any further down. Exploration can definitely prove whether or not there is a hollow earth. So can grabbing Michelle Obama. Neither have been done. You're not proving your point at all. If you grab Michelle Obama, she's going to punch you in your eyeball. Well, I would hope so. Well, the Secret Service will probably monkey something crap out of you, but that's a different story. How much research have you done? I know that you want to dismiss it, but it is a hypothesis. However, there is files about it. There's actually some military documents which are classified about it. Okay, so those aren't available to me or to anyone else who would be going on about this. Just like the inside of Michelle Obama's pants are not available to anyone else. No, but I think it's pretty easy for Michelle Obama to prove that she's not a man. That's an easy one to prove. The kids should be a big giveaway, in my opinion. You know, and I'm sure you can find pictures of her pregnant, you know, another giveaway. Most of the QAnon stuff can be easily disproved. Where there's actual evidence, the outer crust, if you get down past the plates, there is a possibility that there is area separation underneath there. We know there's plenty of water down there. That doesn't mean there's life. I think the chances of there being life is higher than chances of there not being life. A lot of what I'm going back to is military studies that have been done, but most of it's classified. Most of it's not talked about. You can't bring that up when you're talking about a hypothesis. If you've got something, you either have to be able to prove it or you can't. People have been talking about this since, what, the 17th century? And I don't see that anyone's come anywhere near close to proving it. I believe there was one Air Force pilot in 1943 to like 49, maybe 50, who allegedly found an entrance at one of the poles, flew an airplane down there, landed, got out, had a conversation with people and flew back and reported that it was part of an actual mission that he ran. That information should be leaked. It should be online. We should be able to find it and attach the notes to this. What's different about that one man versus the dude who started QAnon, who just basically started saying stuff and people started believing it? There is enough evidence to support the fact that it is a hypothesis. We can determine whether or not it's possible for us to exist underneath the crust in a hollow earth or be prepared to exit the planet the next time a meteor strike comes in and completely annihilates the atmosphere on the outside of the ball. I think you're going to need to start by looking at what the interior of the Earth is constructed of and looks like. How do you think the water got to the planet? For a very long time, there was the idea that it came in from outer space. That's what I believe. Up until very recently, but a team from Arizona State University discovered that our planet contains considerably more hydrogen, which is a proxy for water, than scientists previously thought. And they said, so where is it? Mostly down in our planet's core. They are saying, number one, that hydrogen is found in more abundance than they expected. You say, oh, you know, there's oxygen and there's water down there. 
And I'm saying that's not necessarily true. There's hydrogen perhaps down there. I haven't done any looking or digging into the hollow earth hypothesis for a while, but the best way I can still describe it is like a walnut where there is a core within the earth and then a shell formed on the outer layer of the earth surrounding it, protecting it so that life could stabilize on the inside of that core. Define life, because usually when people say life, they assume it's, you know, similar to human life. Sure, there might be some kind of life form down there, but whether or not it functions in the same way that human life does, so we have a reliance, we need water, we need oxygen, we can't have too much uh, carbon dioxide or we end up dead. Whatever life form may exist below the crust of the earth may be exactly opposite to us and may require great amounts of hydrogen peroxide and deuterium. And if we went down there, <laughs> we would just be dead. I still think it's possible that intelligent life could exist down there, maybe even more intelligent than us. And we were just the ones that came on the outside of the shell. But within inside the shell, like maybe they can't leave. They, they can't travel outside the shell. Like I said, they will die. But then again, we might not be able to go inside the shell. I think rather than for us looking for life in outer space, we should simply look on the inside of our own interior. And the deeper we go, the more we're most likely we'll find. Why would you discount the need to look in outer space for life? Obviously, the core of our planet is significantly smaller and therefore has less opportunity for a great divergence of new knowledge and information than, say, outer space does, where you're looking at infinite space with infinite possibility for all kinds of things. Why focus on the interior of one thing at the exclusion of something like space? Why not do them both? We haven't even explored the bottoms of our own oceans. Yeah, I think only 5% of the oceans have been explored. Who knows what's really down there? And then there's plates upon plates underneath the ocean. Who knows what's down below those plates? And that's on the surface still, for the most part, within the exterior. But you're not answering the question. I'm trying to get there. Well, just get there. Why exclude space? You can't focus on all. And when you do focus on all, you get just that. It's like trying to multitask, you know, and do five things. I'm in space, be here, be that. You absolutely can multitask. There's nearly 8 billion people on this planet. Not all of them are going to care what's on the inside of the planet. In fact, very few do. Very few care what's in space. But there are those who do, who have studied long and hard and have achieved some things and continue to study space. Why would we tell those people what you want to do, what you're really good at, what you're passionate about, how your brain works? We really don't need that anymore. Why don't you settle yourself into some other uh, career? No. Why would you do that? There are geoscientists who are interested in the Earth. There are astrophysicists who are interested in cosmic space-time. And there are people all in between. So why discount one and raise the other up? Well, we have. We don't have an interior space force, do we? No, we simply have a space force. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you say we, <laughs> you're talking about a madman president who decided that a space force would be, you know, something he could hang his hat on for a minute. Space force has been on the table since Ronald Reagan who gave them a little bit of it when he gave them SDI, but then he says, that's it. We're not, no, no, we're, we're not going to deep space. Every other president has laughed at it. George Bush looked at the numbers and says, you're kidding, right? But the only person that got sold in it was, of course, Clown 45, because they paid him for it. And he's, we'll put your name on it, sir. Oh, it'd be my space force. 
But the truth is, I wish we would put just as much funding into exploring our own earth. You've got to go back and you've got to look at the budgetary figures and figure out how much has been put into, quote unquote, Space Force. I don't even know the organizations that are involved with geosciences, but I'm sure it's just as hefty and as significant. When you say we should put money into this, are you talking about the federal government? In which case, what you really mean is that because the biggest portion of our budget is our military budget and our military budget seems to want to put money into space and perhaps not into earth sciences, or do you mean public industry? Do you mean nonprofit groups should put more money into the earth? It would be great to have nonprofit groups do it. The problem is there's really no incentive to it, and the U.S. government needs to incentivize it. Even with churches and religion, we incentivize religion by saying it's tax-free. You know, you don't have to pay, pay taxes. We could do the same thing for those that did exploring in the center of the earth. And I'm talking exploration, not drilling, not digging, like exploring, finding an entrance, seeing what's down there. Bottom of the ocean, the same thing. Right now, it's being done by private enterprise. If you have submarines and ships you are going to be taking time to explore the ocean. So you're saying that, as far as you know, the government explores, the, the government pays for deep sea exploration right now? Sure. Okay. I was unaware that, that these guys are getting subsidized for that. I would guess they are. Absolutely. But you don't know for sure that they are. The military has presence on land and sea and in the air. Now air includes space. Wherever the military spends its time, it's going to spend some money into research, and that is going to include our oceans. I just looked at a video a little bit ago of a deep sea exploration. James Cameron paid for it, and the ones that went the furthest before him was a military exploration. Interesting. So it's taken decades, but scientists think they finally understand why this phenomenon keeps happening. Using satellite observations... And reanalysis data, researchers from New York University, Abu Dhabi, have found that these ephemeral holes appear to be scars from cyclonic storms. Yes. Which is kind of cool. So the weather patterns are creating these. It's not like the hole is always there and has always been there. It was created by probably cyclones that just tear up that part of the ice. That's a theory. It also could be that was an entrance, and the entrance was covered for many thousands of years. And why would a cyclone specifically hit that point? If you had a doorway in a structure, eventually over the course of time, debris covered the entire side of that wall. The weakest spot of that location is going to be where that door is. Okay. And when a cyclone hits the entire area, it pushes on that spot because that's the point of least resistance. Eventually, I believe it will go far enough down that it will reopen that entrance again, if that's where the entrance is. And again, this is just my hypothesis based off the limited information that I have. That would be the most likely place to start. If you took an expedition down there, if you found something on your way back, you would see some guy stopping. Hey, what's up? Come over here. We want to talk to you real quick. Okay, look, we've uncovered this quite some time ago. You're the third team that's come down here. Give us all your notes. Give us everything. Sign this right here. Now you can't talk about it. Again, my hypothesis is the environment down there is not conducive to human life and we wouldn't be able to exist down there anyway. So the conversation will continue. We'll talk about this some other time. Thanks for playing. I'll talk to you very soon.
please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. Twenty twenty is over. <laughs> <laughs>